Good morning. You're listening to the best of the Lawn and Garden Journal here on Golden West Radio. We won't be taking calls this morning. However, we will be talking gardening. Here's your host, Carla Hersina. morning everyone and I'm going to say welcome back because it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, listened to the lawn and garden show and I must say I missed you it's been a little bit of time frame too where we've seen our garden starting to grow and flourish so there's lots happening in our gardens so we're going to talk and I'm going to ask the question how does your garden grow And it's growing wonderfully in July with a little bit of the coolness in Christmas to last night's cool. I think I saw eight degrees that was on there. But it is July. It is summertime. And it's a July day. Please listen. In idle mood this happy day, I let the moments drift away. I lie among the tangled grass and watch the crinkling billows pass Over seas of clover, like a tide that sets across the meadow-wide, the crimson-crested ripples run from isle of shade to shores of sun. And one white lily seems to be a sail upon this summer sea, blown northward, bringing to me today a fragrant freight from far Cathay. Low is the wind that waves the rose in gardens where the poppies grow, and sweet as bells heard far away, a robin sings his song today. Sings softly by his hidden nest, a little roundelay of rest, and as the wind his dwelling swings, he dreams his dream of unfledged wings. While blending with his song, I hear a brook's low babble somewhere near a glory wraps the hills and seems to weave an atmosphere of dreams about the mountains kingly crest as sink the sun adown the west earth seems to sit in folded hands in peace he only understands who has no care no vain no regret no sorrow he would fain forget and like a child upon her breast I lie this happy day and rest. The green things are growing, whispering to me of many an earthly old mystery, of blossoms hiding in the mold and what the corn cups enfold, of life unseen and too dim to look through the nature up to him who writes the poem of each the year for human heart and eye and ear. O summer day, surpassing fair, with hints of heavens in earth and air, not long do I keep you in my hold. This book is closed, the tale is told. The valleys fill with amber mist, the sky is gold and amethyst. Soft, soft and low, and silver clear, the robin's vesture hymn I hear, and see the stars alit one by one. The summer day? Today is done. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lana Garden Journal. Carla, uh, you know, up until recently, it has been really 
dry. Like it has been a dry start to the gardening season. And yeah, there's been some spotty rain here or there. But overall, what is your rule of thumb for watering the garden and your pots when we're dealing with dry conditions like this? Well, when we're dealing with very dry conditions, you want to remember um, regular watering regimes, especially for if you've got your new plant starts in the garden, they need that moisture. Their roots are not elongated into the soil yet enough to grab that extra. So I generally say if it's in the mid-20s, twice a week is a good steady one if the plants have been established. If we get into the 30s, you might be out there three times a week. And it depends also on the size of the plant's rooting system. So it's a little bit of a, um, yeah, it's a little bit of work to think because sometimes plants get overwatered and some plants get underwatered. But just take a look because wilt can be an indicator of being overwatered or underwatered. So best rule of thumb, put your hands in the soil, pull them away either from the garden to see if there's any moisture underneath that dry crust, or you're going to be checking your hanging baskets and containers probably on a daily basis. Because these containers above ground dry out a lot faster than what's in the ground. So take a check, take a peek every day. It's best morning or evening to do your uh, checking. I like watering first thing in the morning. It allows the moisture and the coolness of the days to pull up that moisture a little bit faster than in the afternoon where you have high evaporation. And all of a sudden, all right, Annabelle's on the line. Good morning, Annabelle. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. My garden is growing beautifully without irrigation. I'm from Morden. It is dry, but the garden is growing well. My question is, should I pinch back tomato bedding plants when I put them in the garden? Yes. Um, Well, basically, if they're new starts, it's part of it. You know what? I'm going to put a little star because I kind of put down sort of conversations that we should start sort of maybe prompting and tomatoes was one with pinching but when you're first putting them and planting them in the garden as a start I don't necessarily I usually pinch off the lower leaves and I like to set my tomatoes a little bit deeper from when Mm -hmm. they came off the start plants just because okay um yeah like you know when you look at the stem of a tomato plant at the bottom it kind of gets that very uh peach fuzz type of look that's in it and right if the plants seem to stay a little bit longer in the pot, they actually get this little nubbly kind of woodsy. You, you almost kind of look at it, right. what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those become all potential roots. So mm-hmm. some, right. some people like to plant them a little deeper, and some people actually will lay them down and give them a little bit of an angle up to start growing. So, mm-hmm. yes, you're correct. I pinch off the lower leaves. But okay. the other thing what, we... Oh, go ahead. What about pepper plants? Pepper plants... Uh, side branching, I don't like to plant my pepper plants too deep because sometimes they'll cause uh, stem rotting. That's okay. all those. So I usually keep them at the same level. But do you pinch planted. them back? I will do a slight pinch. I usually let them give a little bit of growth, but you can do a slight pinch on certain varieties of them so you get some side branching and more flower development. And okay. If we go back to the tomato portion of it, which is mm-hmm. another little star that I had in there, is... Our plants are really developing nice, but this is the time where you may want to start uh, removing those, uh, we call them those little sucker branching that comes off of the 
the main one where you have the side branches and you start getting that tertiary one or that little one that develops in the crotch right. between that stem. So pinch those out a little bit too as well. Okay, good enough. Okay. Thanks, and, Thanks so uh, much. All right, and I meant to ask you, how is it that you're not having to do any additional irrigation? Have you have had Our garden is just too big. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe you have that perfect spot where you're able to get catch all that extra rain that's out there. But uh, I don't I'll... think so. <laughs> well, if it's growing, you've got something right there, girl. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's in there. But um, how big of a garden do you have? Um, boy, I don't know how many feet. Uh, a good size of a good barn like oh wow good yeah it's uh it's it's like a neighborhood and relatives like there's lots oh beautiful i just had this vision of all these tomato plants and making salsa that's (laughs) absolutely absolutely yes that's wonderful wonderful well Mm -hmm. i hope you enjoy it and uh and have fun sharing your bounty we do thanks so much okay you're very very welcome take care okay bye-bye Bye-bye. Now, this is part of it, too, is when we start growing a lot of things, we find that there is that capacity where you will get a bounty of stuff, right? And I know where uh, we all have different conditions on how we're growing, whether you're listening from someplace really close or someplace very far, We've had different conditions, different weather conditions versus hail, water, sun, and heat stress. And there have been sort of some questions on heat stress because we just came out of probably the warmest uh, June. I know with all that heat and all that hot wind, there have been a lot of plants that had some additional heat stress with crisp leaves. And the inquiry as how do I get my plants back to maybe looking a little bit more cleaner, not crisp as in crisp dry, but crisp as in green, fresh, welcoming. So those crisp dry leaves, yes, I have a little uh, note here that was actually two or three notes on my desk when I came back is how do I get things looking good again, is if you can remove some of those dry crisp leaves, if they got a little bit stressed from baby, uh, the wind action, the high evaporation that's on there, or if we missed a little bit of a watering and some plants got crisp, I know that happens, but cutting things back and trimming these, and this kind of follows suit with the question is, can I cut back my tomatoes a little bit or do some pinching that Annabelle asked, is this is the true season, yep, there's a task list for July. And one of them is included on, let's do a little bit of maintenance on some of our plants to keep them in that area where they are welcoming more branches, more blooms. And I'm a big encourager of that because if you do a little bit of trimming, a little bit of deadheading, because not every plant is self-cleaning, that which basically it aborts the flower, which doesn't uh, produce that seed node that's on there. Because you just have to remember when plants like your petunias or some other um, snapdragons, once they set their flower tone, their natural instinct is to go into a seed production form. 
what we want to do is we want to remove that seat that that tendency to want to go into a seating form because that's their survival instinct is remove that and then lo and behold the plant goes aha i have no more seeds to produce i have to produce more flowers and yes trimming deadheading taking out those seed ones it's a little bit of fun there's actually therapeutic methods to that it's relaxing remove those and i always like to say if those hanging baskets or uh, pot containers are equally as going a little bit uh, more fuller keep the fullness of your plants by trimming out a quarter or if you want to be a little more aggressive a third of the tips like the the longest growth taking or removing a quarter to a third of some of your tips on some of those plants we'll be right back after this message welcome back everyone you're listening to the lana garden journal all right let's go right to the line good morning tina yes good morning that's me again <laughs> yes hi how are you yeah uh still surviving still surviving. well that's good that's uh-huh. good yeah how can we help you today yeah have you tried that uh, ginger ale uh, rhubarb slush already or not yet no not yet you know what I have it in my hand. <laughs> oh, yeah? We must have been thinking of each other, because right now I have the little the sheet that you gave me in here, the rhubarb slush. Um, I've been away a bit on business, that kind of stuff, so I really haven't had a chance to try it, but I know I do want to try it. Uh-huh, yeah, I, uh, I was a, phone, a couple of weeks ago, I was phoned in, too, and I, I forgot about when I gave you the recipe about uh, you also can just uh, can it in jars. You just make cook it and have the jars. Uh, I put them 200 de- degrees in, in, a, in a stove and put my jars in there. Yeah. And and then uh, cook the rhubarb, and the juice, and just pour it, put it hot in the jars. I use even spaghetti sauce jars and anything lids of that. Almost put it quite up to the neck. It's quite quite full actually. When it cools off, it goes lower a little bit actually after. Yeah. So then I just use a. Um, me and my grandson, I guess I found them after I brought you the recipe. So in the basement, they moved some stuff, and ah, I forgot about that. I had made, made it in November. I had a candidate, actually. Wow. Uh, so I had a frozen, I guess, the rhubarb. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's beautiful. And you know what? I did mention it on one of the shows that we got the recipe. And um, I just, I, it's again, if you weren't listening to po- before, Tina had given us uh previously the rhubarb slush recipe and it's it's it sounds so good and she was in here a few weeks ago and she gave me the hard copy of it so if anyone wants it i will type it out and i will put it up on the site i don't know uh, maybe parker can give me an idea how we can get this posted to everyone but if you do want it i'll also post it to um maybe tina can i post it on our website here yes uh, sure. to some of our friends too because i know some of you follow me on facebook and instagram okay but um i didn't even think about the idea and that's that's an eye-opener of actually using it as a canned as, item yeah just yeah you can can it and the, and the, the, the spaghetti starts or you can court starts whatever you have you know yeah uh, there's a little what the uh, they they seal very nicely this uh, this spaghetti sauce. Those well, kind of lids. Most you of them. Got, you give me a little bit of a chuckle because um, if Mum's listening, good morning, Mum. Uh, she does her wine juice that way, and she does juice for all the grandchildren. Well, the grandchildren and now the great grandchildren, and 
she keeps her juice and she actually freezes the juice like you did with some of the okay the stuff but i never thought now i'm going to be giving her another test there mm-hmm. you go mom we're going <laughs> to we're going to be canning her juice now yeah yeah you can do that and then i just said about half a cup of uh uh juice and then uh the other half about the ginger ale or whatever. You can make your own taste. You may, might need a little bit more juice or a little bit more ginger ale, but you have to be careful when you, or even when you make a rhubarb slush, uh, the containers to put too much in there. It's very foamy and goes over, you know. Yeah. Oh, I can I can see that because I know that uh, with the grape juice that um, my mom does, she would put a little bit of ginger ale in that for the kids because they would like that too. It makes wonderful punch. Yes. Yes. Very nice. I we my grandson we just like it. So I said, oh, I'm gonna tell you that. I never thought of that. You know. So. Yeah. And, yeah. and I I think I remember when you were saying that on the back page you're looking at it. It said that you found it originally in the Saskatchewan Ladies Cookbook first edition. Yes. And uh, I have to admit that a lot of the community cookbooks that are uh, developed or produced from some of our communities that are out there, and I think uh, I I have one of the Colross cookbooks that my mom and dad gave me years ago. I think I was maybe 17 or 18. They were like, here's a cookbook. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of the best recipes are out of those community cookbooks. Yeah, I have that recipe since 2001, you know. Many, yeah. many years ago, and I just, uh, children and grandchildren and adults, just, most of them all just love that. Oh, yeah. well, that is something, and I'm, I, you know what, we were, we were connected this morning because uh, they said you were on the line, and I just put my hand down, and it was sitting here right on my desk. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, so I tried phone um, two Saturdays ago already, and then, oh, and then it was too late, I phoned, and I said, do it next Saturday, and then next Saturday again, and all, no, then they said you were not taking any calls, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm to today. Uh, yeah, well, we had the July, and I have to apologize, we had the July long weekend, which is limited uh, mm-hmm. with people, with, so we did a tape show, and uh, I I have to say, I do I do run another business, well, I run my business too, so sometimes I have to sneak away on business, but uh, I do miss you guys when I'm away, okay. and uh, it just makes our, it makes our calls when we're back together again a little bit more exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, and have a good okay. day, and hope you too. I'm going to like the rhubarb slush. <laughs> rhubarb slush and rhubarb juice, I guess you could say, a drink, whatever. Well, July, we need to uh, all make some slushy Tina's. We're going to call it Tina's rhubarb slush and <laughs> enjoy a little bit of time on the patio and enjoy your flowers. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. good. Thank you, Tina. Okay, have a good day. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. You too. Yeah, bye-bye. 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 Now, you mentioned that crust when we're talking, uh, you know, our flower beds or our vegetable gardens. And this may seem like a fairly obvious question and answer, but that crust that can form, is that something that we should be trying to periodically break up in order for there to be better water absorption? You got it. That's perfect. A little example, because, yes, that crust, actually, if you do get moisture off that hard crust that's in your garden you're probably going to see that you think you're watering a lot but what happens is that crust causes a uh, shedding effect it will actually flow over the top of the surface and it doesn't get down into the soil itself so giving it get your you know what you're going to do two benefits chris you're going to actually get the garden hoe out break up that crust 
And at the same time, you're going to disrupt weed development. And then you're going to water so that the water has more contact to go down deeper in the soil rather than run off. You had mentioned uh, a few signs of whether you're watering too much or not enough, a wilt being one of those sides on either side of that coin. If uh, one of our gardening friends is taking a look at their veggies or perhaps even their uh, annuals in their flower beds, and I realize generalizations when it comes to gardening is a dangerous thing uh, there, Carla, but if we're seeing yellowing of leaves, could that also be a sign of over or underwatering? Yeah, yellow leaves are both indicative of either overwatering or underwatering. That's why we have to get tactile. We have to touch things and see what the medium or what the soil is doing. Or the other side of it, if you think that you're not overwatering or if you're not underwatering, also remember that yellowing leaves during the summer could be stress of poor nutrients or bugs uh, attacking that leaf structure and sucking out the good nutrients on there. So there's also indicators too. So it's not just yellowing of overwatering or underwatering. There could be some other factors as well. So we have to be diligent and keep our eyes uh, appeal for what may be happening. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lana Garden Journal. And, uh, oh, we have a caller. We're going to go right to line. Shirley is on the line. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. And where are you calling from today, Shirley? I'm calling from Kaleida. Well, hello to everyone in Kaleida. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I got a, a problem with um, whenever I make uh, choke cherry jelly, sometimes it thickens and sometimes it doesn't. And I use Serto and try that, and it just uh, it doesn't seem to more or less just says runny. Why and how do I fix that problem? Well. I'm not, I'm, uh, you know what, you just opened, we're going to start going into a culinary school here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) With the choke cherries, I think it depends on your pectin, like there is the natural pectins that are in some plants, right? So do you you subsidize and use a little bit of a pectin in your... um, Yeah, I use Serto. You use Serto? Okay. Yeah. So how to, like... I guess the question is, how do you regulate pectin in a plant, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, I... that's a whole different um, type of, because with the, um, I guess, I don't know, you've stumped me on this one. Hey, mom, are you listening? Um, maybe <laughs> there's some there's some things that are out there, because I know in certain areas, they naturally, uh, I guess, um, always, I, I'm stumbling here because, some plants have their own natural pectin that is that makes it sort of that coagulation portion of it. Um, maybe concentrating on that pectin is maybe reducing some of your your jellies or your syrups a little bit so that they're concentrated a little bit more. So I know when you get your juices that's in there, sometimes big batches need to be just made a little bit of reduction so you're using more of the natural pectin that's in it. Um, I think it probably, uh, now here, I'm going to throw something at you too. It may have something, and maybe there's people out there that will listen that are in there. I'm just kind of thinking of the analogy of kind of how fruits produce. Yeah. If they produce, go ahead. Yeah, most, uh, the berries that we get are uh, in the grown in the wild. Yeah. And we also planted some choke cherry trees, and I've used them. And they seem to do the same like that were in the yard. 
and it, it's funny, like you never know when it's going to thicken and when it doesn't. Uh, the juice is okay, too, but then I find I have to um, put water in it to thin it out a bit because the juice gets pretty strong. Yeah, and yeah. You can make it go a long way, <laughs> but it's some once in a while the juice will thick, or the, the the sauce will thicken, not very often, and then the rest of the time it still stays runny. I had the same problem yesterday with strawberries. I went to uh, cook them and all that, and um, I put them through a sieve because we have to uh, have strawberries with no seeds, strawberry jam with no seeds. And when I did that, the stuff that came out that went through the sieve. That uh, did not thicken very good, but the, the stuff that was left with the seeds in it, that thickened right oh, wow. away. Yeah. So by taking the, and I never added no water or nothing, yeah. just a turtle yeah. to the whole thing. And then the, the, the juice that came out right away, it never thickened. It did like chilled a bit, but not like jam or jelly. Yeah. But the stuff that was left over from the seeds and that that thickened right away <laughs> yeah i think i think it you know what to me it just goes back to whether and you know what i'm going to be totally looking this up to like you've got me just itching to get to the computer and kind of look at things to see if if what if choke cherries have no like they may not have enough pectin in them or sometimes they do and maybe it's their uh-huh. growing conditions that's on you know, the seasonality of growing, because I know just in my mindset right now, we've had some people that have come in that said that the some of the berries this year are very, very small, and that's because we were, we just went through a very dry spell, so they didn't yeah. plump up, they didn't plump up in, in, in enough time to get that, the larger berries, right? So, yeah. yeah, you've got me stumped, but you know what? Hey, if anyone's out there right now that's listening to this, we like your commentary that's out there. Um, but I am if totally going to be looking. Go ahead. If there's anything that I can add to it or whatever, I don't know how to, what to like do it, with it. Like, yeah. Like, are you talking about adding to the soil or the growing conditions that allows it to get more of that? Or maybe naturally, maybe choke cherries. I, I'm totally stumped on this one. You get uh-huh. a star, you get a star by your name. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I'm so curious. Like everybody loves choke cherries in my house, the juice, but also the jelly. And and what about Saskatoon's this year? How are they? Are they done already? And are they good this year? I, I have not heard about the Saskatoon's, but the Saskatoon's, um, the picking on that, I don't know if that's done. I know that their strawberries are going, uh, raspberries, uh-huh. we're just starting to get some of the raspberries that are out there. Uh, Mom had just mentioned that she picked enough for her... Po- her cereal in the morning to have a handful of raspberries yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the Sask and you know what? Saskatoons and blueberries and you just got my mouth watering. Okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> I used to, okay. I'm going to tell you those story. I love telling you stories. Um, we used to get to uh, go out to the farm in Saskatchewan. Hello, Saskatchewan. If you're listening is to go out there and we used to pick Saskatoons like the buckets and uh, one of my aunts used to reduce it, and we used to bring buckets and buckets home, even on the bus. That's on the back on the day that the grandchildren or the grandchildren had little name tags, and we went out to visit and stay at Grandma's farm. But mm-hmm. oh my gosh, Saskatoon pie! Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Love it. Love it. Yeah, and yeah. also too, uh, the choke cherry gel. Je- yep. You know what? This is just there is a bounty that's to be had by growing your own fruit, and mm-hmm. um, maybe that's an aspect that we need to teach our younger uh, younger generations that there is a bounty that's out there. And it's rewarding mm-hmm. to be able to can your own stuff because if you're, mm-hmm. if all those generations underneath us are saying this is wow, then they should learn how to do this to con- continue that process. Yeah, I, row. I saw I saw on Facebook that somebody is selling choke cherries. This is a couple of years ago, by twenty dollars for a quart, a quart of uh, fresh ch- um, choke cherries. So, wow! Yeah. Yeah. Well, the end. Then there's you, so many. And you can't beat uh, homemade items and homemade uh, canning yeah. because there is something that's to be said about it. It is delicious. delicious. Yeah, and they're so good for you, too. Yes. Really? There are, really? Yeah, we're, you're so true because a lot of the, the, the properties that we get from a lot of foods and fruits that are homegrown, there's a lot of antioxidants. That's a whole mm-hmm. different gambit. Let's. I'm not even into that, but you know that there is. Well, sh- sorry, back that up. I'm into growing fruit and eating fruit. I love that, but to know the chemistry of what all the properties that they give you, that yeah. is a whole yeah. different realm. But we know that um, anything that is fresh grown is so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A choke cherry season there, but our choke cherry trees are full every year. I don't know why those ones always, and even in the wild. There is, there is always, like, pails of them. So I well, would really choke- be good if I could find out how to pick them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And choke cherry, like, you drive around and you know when the bloom of the Saskatoons are. are. We have a, a bush line out here by us, and I know when they're in bloom. Uh, you uh-huh. see them, you know. And, uh, you know, we used to drive around as kids in the back of this Chevy Impala, and Mom and Dad would look for those Saskatoon bushes, and they would know where they were, where they were in bloom, and where we're yeah. going in the next few weeks to pick them. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you for calling in, okay? Okay. Yeah, okay. thanks a lot. Okay, Shirley, Bye. have a great weekend, okay? Yeah, you too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, I know I've seen even in my own annual flower beds and in my pots, Carla, that sometimes it, it looks like the plant, and I don't know if this is related to watering or heat stress, it looks like it's uh, aborting the flower buds or there's that flower blasting where it just seems to blow the bud right off the stem. Is that related to this kind of heat stress and dryness that we have been seeing in recent weeks? Yeah, it could be. A lot of the heat stress plays a factor on it, and it is that instinctual insect instinct for survival Uh, a lot of fruit fruiting things will do this too as well if it's not getting the proper moisture or the uptake into the cells portion of the plant the first sort of the survival instinct is abort flowers abort fruit to save the plant so we know it and it's notorious even on some hanging baskets the first thing that we lose if your plant and especially hanging baskets and containers the first thing is if it dries out too much Oh, no, there goes the bacopa. There goes the labelia. It's stressed, so it gives up that bloom first. We'll be right back after this message. Thank you for listening from Hanover to Landmark to Winnipeg to beyond, wherever you may be. I've got a little, I've got a little poem for you. This is in praise of the rhubarb. Take a listen. So prolific, like a weed, spreads around when gone to seed. 
so enduring it survives on its own. It grows, it thrives. Leaves enormous, wide and green, makes homemade insecticide. Luscious stems of red and green, healthy, benefits widespread. High in antioxidants, eating rhubarb just makes sense. Helps to maintain the healthy bones. Yes, skin retains to its youthful tones. Fiber in the rhubarb stalks cleans coleosterolic, I hope I said that right, blocks. Pick the stalks and eat them raw. Chop and add them to coleslaw. Chopped and boil. They make a sauce. Spread on toast. On ice cream, toss. Add as thickener for jams. Use as glaze for roasted hams. Bake in muffins for a treat. Fill as pies. Such a scrumptious eat. Yes, the gift, and it's the gift of giving. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. As usual, it's fun talking to everyone and learning about gardening together. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.